This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Thomas Hill came out of Nathan Hale High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma as a six foot four, 240 pound tight end who was filled with athletic talent and was short on actual playing experience on the football field. Still, Hill earned a scholarship offer from Kansas State head coach Bill Snyder after his senior season in 1998, and even after new Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops sat on his family's couch and offered to make him part of Stoops' rebuilding project of the Sooners tradition, Hill stuck with the Wildcats. And during his four seasons on the field, Hill was an ideal fit for Snyder's offense at the time. He could both block and get downfield as a receiver. And Hill's career culminated, of course, in winning the 2003 Big 12 Championship game in a stunning 35-7 route of Stoops' Oklahoma Sooners. After a brief flirtation with the NFL, Hill settled into private life, landing in the Phoenix area where he discovered that he had the spirit of an entrepreneur. Hill's enthusiasm, creativity, and kind nature help him connect with people and sell his ideas and business ventures. Although he was not able to land an investor when he appeared on the television show Shark Tank to pitch his really cool children's fitness concept called Bounce Boot Camp. Most of all, Thomas Hill is an overwhelmingly positive guy, and I have not spoken with him in far too long. I could use a little of his good vibes right now, so let's call Thomas somewhere in the Phoenix area. Hello? Hey, Thomas, Tim Fitzgerald. What's going on, Fitz? How you living? I'm good, man. I'm just hanging in there. How are you doing? I'm good. Can't complain out here in the, the Valley of the Sun, Arizona, just... Trying to make it happen, man. Pay these bills, take care of this family. <laughs> yeah. Stay, uh, co- stay COVID free. I know what a complex society in which we live now. It's just crazy. Uh, how long have you been in Phoenix? Man, I've been in AZ for 15, 15 years. What what got so, you down there? You know what? Uh, after I, you know, I had my little run. You know, I got released by the Packers. Um, you know, and I, I actually had moved to San Diego. So when I got released by the Packers, I moved to San Diego with my wife's family, um, staying there with my wife for like eight months, man. And I started selling cars and, 
it was kind of it was kind of weird, man. Like I felt like at the time I was a successful guy, but I hadn't really been out in the world yet. I was just playing football and had graduated from college, and so I was I started selling cars. And it's funny, Fitz. Like I would, I'd come to work and all the guys had these bellies and they were smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And I was like, is this what I'm about to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, nothing against them. I was like, I just can't do this. So I actually went back to Manhattan, Kansas to work out, man. And, and that's when I, you know, I had a few more workouts with the Falcons and the Chiefs and, and man, things just didn't, they didn't pan out. And so one day I woke up, I remember I woke up and I was like, man, I have nothing to do. And I said, screw it. I'm gonna go play golf. So I went and played golf. And, uh, while I was playing golf, my uncle called me, my wife's uncle. He called me, says, you know, T Hill, I'm getting ready to open up a tractor dealership in Phoenix. And I want you to come run it for me. And at the time, man, I had nothing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I had no, no money. Um, you know, I just, I was kind of lost really, you know? And, uh, I said, yeah, I'm in. So man, I moved down to Arizona, um, and I lived with him up in Flagstaff for about a month while he trained me. And then we opened up a store down in, in the Phoenix area. And uh, then I moved my wife and my daughter, Jada, out here from Cali. And, man, that was 15, yeah, 15 years ago. And man, we've been here ever since. I was, sell- I was selling tractors <laughs> in Arizona. What <laughs> life is unexpected, isn't it? Dude, I was the only I was the only black dude <laughs> in Arizona selling tractors like um so I put my little cowboy hat on man. I pop in my little my little dip, my little char and I I'd hit, you know, to hit these these backwoods of Arizona, believe it or not there there are some yeah. areas like that, a lot of horse properties and man, so I started selling tractors and did pretty well, man. So it was it was it was good. That's how I got the AZ, man, and we've loved it. We haven't left, you know. Well, actually, I take that back. We moved back to Manhattan, Kansas, after about about three four years in Arizona. I took a promotion and moved back to Manhattan, Kansas, my company, because I left uh, selling tractors and jumped into pharmaceuticals, became a pharmaceutical rep, and uh, did really really well. And I took a promotion. They wanted me to go run. Uh, and be a manager back in, in Kansas. So I was like, yeah, I'm used to Manhattan, Kansas. Like that's home for me. It felt like home. So we, I moved the family back to Manhattan, Kansas. And, um, dude, I, I swear it, it snowed like every other Tuesday <laughs> when I moved back. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not feeling this anymore, man. Like, <laughs> dude, I was in, I was in little Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, but I loved it, you know, for certain restaurants I was sure. eating out at and, um, you know, I had a little budget, you know, so I was able to eat at the uh, little steakhouse that was down there off uh, downtown um, Harry's. Yeah. Oh, man, I was taking clients in there. Sure. I was eating good. You know, life was good. But, man, the snow was kind of depressing <laughs> and it was the, the cold weather. And and uh, it just it, got, it honestly it got small for me because I was used to a big city right. in Phoenix and Arizona and, and Manhattan got a little small for me. And so. It kind of worked out, man. My company actually asked me if I would be interested in moving back to Arizona and taking over um, an area that needed some help. And I was like, perfect timing. So that's awesome. Got back. Yeah, I was I was literally living in Manhattan for like nine months and then we moved back. Wow. It was crazy. Crazy. So glad you got to enjoy winter, though. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It gave me a chance to wear all those damn sweaters (laughs) and big jackets that I had that are now sitting up in my storage in my closet. And it's funny, I got like size triple X sweaters, and I was like, "Dude, was I this big back at K State? Like a triple X sweater is, is wild." So, 
Yeah, you're pretty fit now. I want to get into all that. You're you're really a, a health guy. But uh, before we get there, it's, it just shows that what a strange path life can take. And yeah. ben, ben Lieber told me a few years ago at Big 12 Media Days, I was chatting with him, that one of the hardest things he did was figure out what life was after football. Mm-hmm. Because football was your entire life structure. Everything was around, you know, you got to go do this now, this now, this now. They feed you. They give you some clothes. They do They do so much for you within the structure of a football organization. When he right. got to the end of that, he's like, oh, what do I do? And, yeah, what's next? And it it's really... I almost think there should be, uh, maybe there is, um, and I just don't know it, uh, some type of NFL group that helps players transition back into the real world because it is it is difficult, and, you know, we we see guys really struggle with it. So Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. You know, I, I can't agree more. You know, I mean, I, I do wish that um, – and listen, I love K-State. Right. I mean, I, I love – Coach Snyder and our coaching staff and, you know, the administrator, you know, giving me an opportunity, you know, a kid from the streets in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, an opportunity to come showcase his skills and get at K-State and play football at, at the highest level in college and, and um, be able to graduate, you know, be the only one in my family to get a degree, you know, to go to college and graduate high school, then go to college and graduate. But I agree. I think there needs to be some type of transitional system, you know, that you can help these athletes out with when they leave school, you know, cause there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of athletes that they don't know what to do. You know, they don't know which way to go, who to call. Um, now we get, for some reason, they can track us down and find us and ask us for that little donation. <laughs> but I never got that email or that that uh, that mail saying, "Hey, man, what can we do? Thank you for your commitment to our school, and you know what can we do to kind of point you or guide you in the right direction? Where are you at in life? How can yeah. we help?" And so, um, not to say that there weren't people there that wanted to do that, um, but that you know maybe that wasn't their department, right. you know, and so. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that'd be a, a great place for that in the school systems. And I'm sure it's not just the K State; it's at all the the JUCOs and the D2s and NAIA right. schools, and you know, all across the country. So, well, I know K State had a second win program that was pretty good for a number of years, but I'm not sure if that's still around. And I'm going to check on it because it needs to be. I mean, if a guy's yeah. like six hours short of degree, get a hold of him. And say, what can we do to get this finished up? Let's get you in the classes online that you need. Get that degree because there's a world of difference between that, having that silly piece of paper and not having that silly piece of paper. Oh, man, I tell people all the time, you know, I do some some mentorship uh, stuff and, you know, from business and health and just, just life stuff with some people. And I tell a lot of them, I said, listen, you get that college degree, you know, and my, get, it, get it into anything. Right. I mean, because yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I don't know what the percents are, but I'm going to guess that 80 percent of the people who have degrees don't go into that, exactly. you know, that field that they get it. So get anything. But I mean, you're going to increase your 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 earnings, you know, by 80 to 100 thousand dollars, you know, right. by just having by having that. And so you're six hours, 12 hours short, a semester, two semesters short. Yeah, no, we got to go get that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're spot on it. Get them transitioned to a, getting their, their classes done and change their financial situation. Yep. 
And one day I was eating lunch with Doc Weefald over at, there's a hula hands in the hotel across the street from oh, yeah. the union. And uh, the waiter said hi. He recognized both of us. Um, Weefald, I understood. Me, I'm not so sure about. But he, he was talking to us, and Doc said, so are you at K-State? And uh, he goes, no, I don't know what to do with myself, so I dropped out. I don't know what area of study I want. And I looked at him and said, don't worry about that. Go get a social science degree. You have an entire lifetime to figure out your entire lifetime. Get that piece of paper that puts you on a different level. Even if it's the most basic degree offered, you have it. And Doc Weefall is looking at me like, no, no, that's not the message I want to send. You know, and I'm like, no, we shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to decide on what the fate of your future is going to be. And, you know, if you want to be an engineer, a doctor, all of that, I understand that's a specific area of study. But most people that go into business, go into business because they don't know what else to do. I mean, that's right. And, and I love it. You know, go into those things. You're an entrepreneur. And if there was a degree in entrepreneurship, it would probably, which I think they do now have, uh, that would have served you really well. Um, yeah. But for the most part, most people are like, oh, hell, my sister has a master's in engineering. You know what she's in? The medical field. She's not in engineering. Right. So right. life changes, but having that education and that degree and showing that accomplishment really means something to employers. That's a fact. My mom always said, I can't take that piece of paper away nope. from you. Nope. You know, so – and. Yeah, you know, most most companies they don't ask you what you majored in. They just want to know that you got a college and you got yeah. a degree. I've never been asked anything beyond you know checking the box that I have a college degree. I've never mm-hmm. once been asked what my GPA was. Yeah. Now I'm sure that's totally different for someone of a you know a higher degree. If you're into something like education where you want to teach college, um, all that would be more. But. Right. I'm a journalist. I, I'm I'm not supposed to be very bright. So, and I accomplish yeah. that. I accomplish that. I'm good at that. Tell me all the stuff you do because I I feel like you got your fingers in a lot of things. Yeah, man. Sometimes I <laughs> sometimes sometimes it might be too much, yeah. but you know I'm a I'm a busybody. You know I learned I learned at an early age. You know um, that I I got to constantly be finding ways to make it work. You know, what, whatever it is, you know, whether it's trying to get to practice because my mom, you know, was working two or three jobs or if it was, you know, moms wasn't home. So I had to, you know, find a way to make it work in the kitchen or, you know, get to a game or, you know, make some money and save and buy my own shoes and clothes. And, you know, uh, now my mom provided well for us. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I just have always had that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, and so I've always felt like. I got to dive into something and, you know, not bragging on myself, but, you know, the majority of the entities and businesses that I've started have all been, you know, very positive. You know, I've, I've learned along the way and I've made some bad deals and some, some deals that, you know, I wish I could take back. And, um, but for me and my character has always been the highest and, uh, you know, so I think that continues to drive me because I see positive momentum in a lot of the things that I do, but, yeah, man. I mean, like I have a, uh, you know, I have Bounce Boot Camp, which is the company that I took on on Shark Tank, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so that's we have some franchises, man. We had in California, Arizona, uh, Chicago, North Carolina, New York, you know, so that was uh, obviously I didn't get a deal out of the Shark Tank, but, 
you know, the, the millions of dollars worth of advertising, you know, I could have oh, spent no. that, you know, know, and it's probably aired over 40, 50 times now. And, you know, people, every time they see it, I get a text message. I don't even know what's on. And people are texting me like, T. Hill, you're on Shark Tank right now. The rerun is on. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I get Shark Tank, you know, and then um, I dabbled in the restaurant industry for a while. We owned a restaurant and um, we actually ended up selling it. We did really well with that, you know, but I'll never get back in the restaurant industry. It's tough. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Be thankful you didn't have it during this situation. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, the people that we sold it to, you know, they we sold it a few years back. Um, and like I said, did really well. But I look at the people that own it now and, you know, that's right. He actually called me for some advice uh, Friday, actually, believe it or not, and asking some questions, picking my brain about certain things, you know, about downtimes, et cetera. And so. Uh, so, yeah, we had Bounce Bootcamp, we had the restaurant industry, um, you know, I had a few other little small companies that I was a part of, and I was part of a flag football company that had tremendous potential to do some really amazing things, and I just got caught up in a bad partnership with a few yeah. people that, that uh, you know, that, that screwed me over, and then before I got screwed over, I introduced them to some special people in my life, a mentor in my life specifically, and, you know, and then we all got screwed, uh. and so... So that sucks. So that's one of those those bad deals that happened. But you know, we were successful for a while. Did really well in that. And but I'm also in the in the lab industry too. So um, I work with a lot of OBGYN doctors here in Arizona. We do a lot of uh, genetic testing. Uh, we do a lot of uh, BRCA and ovarian cancer screening, cervical cancer screening, uh, a lot of blood work stuff. So working in the lab industry and. And then also in the health and wealth, wellness and and uh, motivational industry, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I saw your, you did a little thing about uh, food addiction. Um, yeah, that I I loved it. It was a, it was a really powerful message, and I shared it with my wife. She goes, "That makes so much sense." But we do that. We to recap, it was basically if your friend was an alcoholic, you wouldn't offer him a beer. If they were a drug addict, you wouldn't offer him drugs. Why do right. you try to get a friend that is attempting to change their life? by adjusting their food habits, why do you try to get them to eat? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. As a, as a guy that is obese, that really uh, hit home to me. Right. So Yeah. yeah it's Well, I, I think there's a lot to it, man. I think uh, the insecurities of ourselves, um, you know, want to push that on someone else and say – Dude, you can you can totally have this 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 drink, or yeah. it's low it's low calorie. Knowing that a, a you know a deep dish slice of pizza is not going to be low calorie, you know <laughs> what I mean? And um, so we hide behind our own securities and we push it off on someone sometimes. But but then we also just want to see if we can break people sometimes. You know, just the yeah. I don't know what did you call it, the naughtiness in us, or you know the, you know, weird the competitor. Thing. Yeah, yeah, the competitor in us wants to be like, I bet you I can get them to eat some Doritos, you know, and so. Um, you know, I, sometimes I just shoot off the cuff, but I was just feeling it at the time. And it's just, it's a fact, you know, like, um, and, and, and the message also was really trying to hit home for the, the clients that I coach to make them aware of a, what we used to probably do all of us and, and B, you know, how to kind of get through that moment and know, and know that the temptation is going to be there from your friends and family. You know, the response that I've gotten on that video was, has been, has been phenomenal and, yeah. You know, I just I was hoping that it would hit home for some people and it, it hit home for a lot of people because it hit home for me, too. To be honest, I'm guilty of it. Right. Like right. I've been at those functions when I, I knew somebody was on their quote unquote diet or they were 
you know, trying something new or they were trying to be a vegetarian. And I'm like, grab this hot dog. One hot dog's not going to hurt, you know? And it's like, what a douchebag, you know, I was for doing that. So that's funny. So uh, let's go back real quick. For those who haven't seen the Shark Tank episode, explain Bounce Boot Camp because it's really cool. Yeah. So what thanks. I, uh, so I came about the concept. I remember, um, when we lived in Arizona, uh, I had rented an inflatable for my daughter for her birthday party. It was like $375 for four hours. And I remember the dude showed up in sandals, like thong flip-flop sandals and some khaki shorts and a, and a polo shirt. And, uh, he drops off the inflatable. I watched him set it up. I'm, I was in the parking lot and I watched him set it up and then he came back in his sandals, picks it up, rolls it up, cleans it out, rolls it up, puts it back in his and I gave him a check for three hundred and seventy five bucks. And I was like, I just gave I just paid all that money for to this guy and he's in his sandals. I was like, shit, I need to get into the inflatable no industry. Doubt. So so I jumped into the inflatable industry when we actually when we moved um when we moved to back to Manhattan. And uh so I bought a couple of inflatables and you know, we were rent, rent renting out the inflatables and um you know, we were doing really good with the rentals. And, and I remember one day I was in the, I had set it up in the front yard with my daughter. I was out there jumping in there with her. And man, I was in there for, I don't know, a couple of 10 minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes. And dude, I, I was like sweating. And I felt like I was getting a workout and I was just jumping in the castle, you know, just bouncing around, but I was out of breath. And I was like, damn, here I am, this, this ex star athlete. And <laughs> I'm, I'm tired after a couple of minutes in a kitty inflatable. And so, I uh, literally that night, man, I, I went in, I was at the house and I was just like, I need to create like a fitness program, you know, based on using inflatables. And so I was in my little office at the house that night and, and I, and I just came up with the idea of like, the name was like bounce boot camp. I was like, Oh, I got to call it bounce boot camp. It's like brilliant. You know? And so I did, I did all my research and I couldn't find anything out there. So, you know, I put the trademark on bounce boot camp. And so, you know, basically turned a rental inflatable rental business into a whole fitness program. So what we did is, and I say, we, it's always me, but I always say we, um, you know, so, so, you know, what we did is we turned, we turned, uh, using the inflatables into using them as, as fitness equipment. So, you know, we do, we took the obstacle courses and the bounce house castles and the slides. And I designed a whole fitness program, uh, designed around using the inflatables as a fitness equipment instead of treadmills and, and and bikes and stairmasters and you know bench press and things like that. We actually use the inflatables as our fitness equipment. So you know I created a whole program. You know doing obstacle courses and relay races and calisthenics and you know uh, a lot of up down zigzag over left right and but I also took my sports background. You know from things that I've learned over the years and incorporated that into the program also. So um, yeah, man, I created the idea right when I was. Um, so we, we were in Manhattan, we were there for a little while and I was kind of playing with the idea. Like I had the idea and it was, I was like, this is a great idea. I'm going to do it, but I just never did it. I think I was kind of scared. Honestly, I was nervous. Like, are people really going to respond to it? And, um, so I sat on the idea for a while and, 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 but I kept putting it together, right? I kept, um, just adding something new to it and typing up PDFs and, selling myself on that it was a great idea but also selling myself like no one's really gonna like it um and then boom we ended up moving back to back to arizona 
So I got to Arizona. We moved back to the place where we lived at, which is called a little town called Anthem. And um, it's a very active community, you know, and, and Arizona, the weather is just, it's phenomenal. You know, other than the summertime, it gets hot, but, uh, you know, I just, where we live at, people want to be outside and going. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see what we can do. And so I held it, I held an event at a community center out here, you know, I promoted it, advertised it or whatever. Um, we held an event and, you know, my goal was to sign up, you know, 10 or 15 people. I mean, we signed up like 30 or 40 kids day one. Yeah. Day one. And I was like, man, I might be onto something. And, uh, so we started having classes, you know, and I mean, people just responded. They were loving it. So what I did is I created the dog tag system. Um, and the dog tag was really like a, not, not so much a carrot, but more of a reward for kids after they achieve certain levels. So we had like, so when you sign up, you get a bounce boot camp general, you get a bounce boot camp dog tag just for signing up. And then you get your classes. And then once you complete eight classes, you move to the next rank. You know, so you become, you know, a captain, a sergeant, uh, a general. Um, and so then after 16 classes, you get a, you beca- you get another rank. And so, we, you know, I, I was doing these dog tag presentations. So after six, eight classes, it was kind of cool because there were some kids who had signed up in the middle of the session. So they still had classes left, but they were at the dog tag presentation. So they had a chance to see like, oh, wow, if I keep going, I'm going to get you know, another dog tag. And so, so cool. Uh, yeah. So it was awesome. And the kids loved it. The parents loved it. Actually, you know, it's some of them loved it because it was a, an hour free for them. They can drop, drop the kids off and, you know, they go run the errands and some of them looked at it as a, a babysitting opportunity and um, some really want their kids to be active. And so, yeah, man, we just, I ended up turning it into a, a really profitable business. And that's around the time shark tank was like really hot. And, uh, you know, I applied for Shark Tank and that whole story happens. But, yeah, it was uh, – that's that's it, man. Bounce Boot Camp, an obstacle course-style fitness program for, for kids designed around using inflatables. It's incredible. And, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's simple and genius. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, yeah, it's, uh, you got to make fitness fun for kids. I'm old enough to it. know when I was out riding my bike as a kid because we didn't have video games. We barely had automobiles. I'm so old. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'd ride your bike everywhere. You'd, you'd go do stuff. You'd play ball with your friends. You didn't think about your working out. Right. And somewhere in here we've got, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go exercise. That exercise right. is a, a negative. Right. Yep. And, and kids much rather be sedate and play their games and be on their devices. And I get it. I'm the same way. But if we can train them early on that exercise doesn't have to be grueling work. You can go right. have fun yeah. with this. Just go yeah. have fun. It's yeah. cool. It's really cool. That's it. That's it. So they had a blast. Kids, you know, I mean, we literally saw some kids lose weight. I love dudes it. like you. I love my offices, our offices. There we go. We're in Aggieville for so many years, uh-huh. um, which was fun from a social standpoint. But I, I found myself surrounded by entrepreneurs. Now, most of them are in the yeah. bar restaurant business. But I just love the psychology of someone that is attempting to create their own job, their own income. And jobs for others because it's yeah. scary. It's not easy. It. I always tell people it's hand to hand combat. Some days you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, but you got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, you just got to keep going and going and going. And you know we're in year 21 of our endeavor. Never gotten wealthy, but I've lived life on my own terms. And there's something to be said uh, for that. I love that. 
I love that. That's that's big time right there. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk football. Um, Talk to me. One of my favorite photos from K-State football history is you with the Big 12 championship trophy in 2000. <laughs> I love that photo. And everyone wants to put the one out with, with Al and other people. No, sure. my, the one that when I think about the trophy, it's you holding it in my head. How wow. cool was that? Wow, man. Thanks for that. That's, that's awesome. I got, I got the goosebumps <laughs> on that one. You know, that, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I don't know, man. I think you can just, you know, I think you look at any of those pictures, um, You know, but when I look at that picture of me holding, you know, it's just, I mean, you could just see the true joy in in my eyes and and the smile. And, um, man, you know, it's crazy. It really did feel like we did it for something bigger than than our team at the time. You know what I mean? It was just crazy. It was. It It really was. Yeah. The significance of that in the historical perspective of Kansas State football is unbelievable. It was insane, man. I mean, we just, yeah, it, it, it was it was big, man. And to walk around the stadium, you know what I mean, and that and that was important for me, you know. And, and I'm sure if, I know a few people were kind of pissed at me, but it was all good. Like I was holding on to that trophy, like I was, you know, I was. <laughs> I'm not sharing, sure, man. Around, I'm not sharing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was walking around that stadium, just kind of letting people, you know, see it and touch it, and because you know, I felt like everybody was part of that, man. It just. I think our our school, our university, our team, our our fans, you know, we needed that, you know. And, um, I mean, you go into that game against what people were saying at the time was the best college football team ever. Yep. And you look at their roster, you look at their size, you look at what they did that year, and you could argue that, yeah, you might be right. They were (laughs) pretty damn good. Dude, they were good and they were loaded, you know, on both sides of the ball, um, you know, and special teams. So, um, yeah, going into that, uh, clearly an underdog. And, um, you know, and then for me being from Oklahoma, you know, I'll I'll tell you a quick story. So K-State was the first school to offer me a full ride scholarship. And I'll always be thankful to Coach Snyder for that because college was never on my radar for – Football was really never on my on my on my radar. I thought I was going to play basketball. Like I was a really good basketball player, 
Um, I wasn't the biggest guy, but, you know, I wanted to go to Duke. I thought I was going to go to Duke and play basketball. They had a guy named Thomas Hill and Grant Hill there. Sure. So I was I was always a Duke fan. I thought I was going to play basketball. And my tennis coach, actually, I played tennis, believe it or not, um, just because I, I liked one-on-one games. I liked always relying on myself. Um, I love team sports, don't get me wrong, but I love tennis because you know, I worked on my footwork, my hand-eye coordination, um, you know, so anyway, my tennis coach, she's the one that really got me into football. Like I didn't even play football in high school to my junior year in high school. And so she's like, you know, you got these big hands. Her name is Tammy Smith. She's like, you got these big hands. You need to play football. And I was like, yeah. So I went out and played football, whatever. And defensive end, my first, my junior year. And then, uh, I remember our, our tight end, great player. We were in a playoff game and we threw a pass to him. He was wide open and it bounced off his chest and we lost the game. Um, and at that moment, I was like, dude, I'm playing tight end next year because I would have caught that. Uh, now, I've dropped balls in my career, too. But that right there made me say, all right, I'm going to play tight end. I played tight end. You know, Coach Schneider offered me a full ride scholarship. And, and I said, I'm all in. At the time, OU wasn't very good. <laughs> like That's right. You know, you go back and look, 97, 98, like OU wasn't. So people ask me, like, why would you go to K-State? Dude, K-State was number one, number two in the nation at the time. I mean, who doesn't want to go to the number one or number two school in the country? <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, and plus Michael Bishop's um, aunt, Vivian Bishop, was actually my typing, my computer teacher in high school. Get out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she used to bring me, you know, she'd go down and watch the games and watch Mike, and she'd bring, you know, autographed pictures back to me and um, photos and cars and all of that stuff from, from Mike B. So that was always, it was always pretty cool, and um, you know, and then I got offered a scholarship from Snyder and I was like, I'm in, you know, I mean, for him to sit on the couch at my house in this apartment complex, you know, and, and look over at my mom and say, we want to offer your son a full ride scholarship. You know, I remember my mom just broke down crying, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, dude, like I'm in, they, they committed to me. Right. right. It wasn't, it wasn't a question. So, um, that commitment was important to me. And so I stayed committed, but I, the story I was going to tell you is, um, I was already committed to K-State. Football season was over. So, you know, coaches were out recruiting pretty hard. So it was basketball season. I was playing basketball. And we had a game one night. And all the fans, you know, during the game, they're they're like looking over into a corner somewhere and they're chanting, K-State, K-State, K-State. And I'm like, what's everybody doing? So I look over and Coach Bob Stoops was at the basketball game watching me play. And, um, and I didn't even know, I had no clue he was going to be there. And so, um, game was over, you know, I come out of the locker room, the basketball game, he introduced himself. He's like, man, you know, I want to come sit down and talk with you and your mom if if you're good. And I was like, yeah, like, sure. Of course. You know, I, again, I'd already committed to K-State. So we go in, we go to my house or my apartment, whatever. We're sitting on the couch and we're talking, you know, coach Stoops is, you know, asking how come, you know, OU wasn't on your radar. And I was like, well, you know, they just weren't that good. And Coach Blake, I think it was Coach Blake at the time. And OU just didn't recruit me very, yeah. very heavily. Uh, and Stoops had just taken over the job, right? So he was like, he was fresh there. And he was recruiting me heavy, you know, um, that night. And he says, uh, he says, well, look, man, I want to offer you a full ride. Obviously, I want you to come to OU. And this is what he said to me. True story. He says, Thomas. He says, I plan on winning a national championship in the next couple of years, and I want you to be a part of that. That's exactly what he said to me. And shit you not, 
a couple years later, OU wins a national championship. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of, it's just kind of a crazy story, yeah. right? Like um, for him to sit on our couch and, and, and I'll be honest with you, part of my confidence in life. And when I talk to people about certain things, it was, it was based on that conversation that I had with coach Stoops that night because he believed it. He's adamant about it. He knew what it was going to take and he had visions, you know, and he told me flat out on that couch. He was like, I plan on winning a national championship in the next couple of years. And I want you to be a part of it. And I was like, all right, thanks coach. You know, that's what they all say. I appreciate that. Um, I didn't say that to him, but I just said, thank you. You know, we'll think about it, but I still went to K state. I said, I'm going to K state. Oh, you won a national championship. You know, Oh, well, um, you know, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. You know, I still love K state. So, you know, you fast forward to the big 12 championship game, you know, my senior year and I was playing against, you know, my home state and, you know, one of my little younger brothers, you know, I call him a little brother, Kiwan Jones, was the running back for OU. And, um, you know, so we were, you know, talking noise to each other uh, <laughs> over the phone whenever we can get a hold of each other back then. It seems like we never really even had phones, but, uh, you know, just showing each other love and supporting. And, and I don't think there was a person, well, th- there's probably a very few amount of people in the stands uh, that thought K State would win, especially after Kiwan rips off a 35 yard yeah. touchdown run in the first quarter, <laughs> like on the first drive too, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I think that put a lot of people on, on edge saying, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, you I, know. I recently was asked one of my, what my favorite K state football memory is. Um, and you know, not particularly a play or anything, just kind of in my context of my job. And it was, that press box on that day at Arrowhead Stadium because seven nothing to OU. Everyone's kind of writing off K State at that point. Yeah, it's all it's done. This game, yeah. this is just now. I just got to play out the string here, and this game's over. Right. And then right. uh, you know it just started to happen. And as yeah. as the game unraveled, as OU unraveled, the entire press box unraveled. I mean, mm-hmm. we had national beat writers calling because you know they're on deadlines in there like we got to rewrite i'll send you what i can but this is going down it just slowly the reality that k-state was not only going to win this game but they were kicking the living crap out of the best college football team in history as they had defined it was really hard for them to accept and understand and just the amount of phone calls being made in the press box to editors or desk you know back home or TV people. It was just craziness, just craziness up there as they saw what was happening and they couldn't yeah. believe it, but they had to deal with it. Uh, yep. And I was uh-huh. just like, I told you so. I predicted K-State would win. I was that dumb. you know. Uh, because something it. happened to you guys that year. You had those injuries, L and Darren. There was injuries in the middle part of that season where you were really dinged up. And by the yep. end of the season, you were the team you should have been. Yeah, which was yeah. a really freaking good team. When you, you talk about the pro guys on Oklahoma, you look back now. There was a lot of you that went on to the league. Um, you know, Darren Sproles particularly, who were very successful yeah. at the next level, that won that game because you were talented too, and people didn't appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Now we 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 had a squad, man. I mean, you got to remember too. And again, going back to coming out of high school, I mean, we had like one of the top recruiting classes coming into K State. Yep. Uh, you know, so we, it, 
we were destined, we were bound to, you know, reach that pinnacle eventually, you know, although I still believe, you know, and I'll go on record and say this. I mean, we had a very talented group, but dude, I think the most talented team I've ever been around in my whole life was, I feel like it was a year we went six and six, dude. I mean, we had Rock Cartwright and Scobie and uh, you had uh, Shad Meyer you had uh, um, um, ben, Mark, Lieber. Mark, ben Lieber, Mark Seminole. I yep. mean, dude, we were loaded. I mean, you had guys that, that played McIntosh. Um, yep. uh, I mean, the list goes on. In Moses, I mean, guys that were in the league for, for years and very successful, you know, uh, ball players. And, um, I mean, dude, that team right there was like – insane to me i mean they were they they we were loaded man yep. across the across the board off you had coop you had chapman um butler it's crazy uh, dude loaded Dice shot carter like dude that 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 team right there was insane in my opinion i think it's probably the best um most talented, you know, senior class group of, of, of athletes at K-State. Yeah. That's my opinion. People can argue it. Of course, I, I'm going to say our senior class was was pretty dope as well, but that team right there with those guys was insane. So, anyways. You, uh, it, it just goes to prove, though, if you've got uncertainty at quarterback because L was still learning, uh-huh. uh, Mark Dunn was whatever was going on with him, and L just – needed to get down the road a little bit and that sophomore season for him was a real struggle but once he got down the road holy crap was he good he was oh yeah oh yeah yeah but so yeah man i mean look the big 12 championship that was that meant a lot to to me obviously it meant a lot to everybody else and being able to do it in the fashion that we did it I, i mean listen i don't it was just undeniable you know what i mean it wasn't like there was a bad call or and, and I don't, and, and I, and I don't think it was that. Oh, you had a bad game. I mean, we just went out and just, we just went out and whipped that ass. Is what yep, we did, yep. you know. No other way to say uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, you know, and then uh, it was crazy because they still went on to go play at the national championship game. Um, I actually, I actually uh, went down there and flew down and watched him play and watched you know Kiwan play in the national championship game. So that was pretty. Pretty amazing experience to watch a you know a young kid who looked up to me um, growing up you know and and I mentored and you know put him under my wing and I always had him around me and you know live stayed with me for a little while and um, you know his mom was you know single mom just doing what she could do but uh, to watch him you know to beat him was great I hated to see him lose to, mm-hmm. to you know the way the way we whooped him thirty five seven but it was cool to watch him go on and play the national championship so. I uh, I did a podcast where I said even in in victory, um, it was a national podcast. I said even in the victory of a, winning a Big Twelve championship in two thousand and three, K State was was told you're still K State because in ninety eight when they barely lost the Big Twelve title and were undefeated and really good, they not only got left out of the national title game, they got left out of all the significant bowl games. Yeah, they did. They yeah. ended up going to what, the Alamo Bowl yeah. or something? Yeah, and you go down the road five years, six years later, however it adds up. K-State absolutely drubs the number one team in the country 
but it's named Oklahoma, so they get a redo and go to go play for the national championship. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the haves and have nots of college football defined within a five year period. And it was it was just amazing that even in victory it was like, Oh, it's okay. They're still Oklahoma. They still right. get to play for the national championship. Have fun at your bowl game. And it was just kind of maddening to see that take place. Yeah, yeah, it's it sucked, and 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 I I don't know what you accredited that to, man. I this could be controversial, but I feel like there were some things that that we didn't do as a university, maybe that didn't allow us to really get on that that level. Sometimes, you know what I mean. I um, don't argue with that. For everything you know, great Bill Snyder did, and he, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation without him. Sure. There were some things he didn't manage well, which includes promoting his players for awards and kind of really pushing pushing the brand, as now we now call it, out there a little yeah. bit harder. And I get right. that. Uh, but it's hard to go from a have-not to a have. In fact, it's almost impossible nowadays, but um, it's worth it. Right. It's always worth it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you appreciate, obviously, everything that Snyder did and, and the grassroots, blue-collar approach and – it's taken a lot of kids um, from poverty, if you will, or lower income, or or wherever they came from. Even if you know they were financially stable, and gave you know giving a lot of kids opportunities right. that other schools did not do. You know, and so you appreciate that. And um, you know, I just wish that you know with the talent we had and the um, the tra- trajectory that we were on, you know, um, I-, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more you know, pub and, and, um, and love, you know, overall. And, and, and I don't know why that, why that was, but you know, so, I agree. uh, I don't know. I, I can't point the finger at anybody on that. So, um, but Hey, yeah, big 12 champs, baby, 2003, <laughs> the fir- first ever to do it, you know, and, uh, you know, holding up that trophy was, that was legit. That Amazing. was a great feeling for Amazing. sure. That was a great feeling for sure. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss in not getting your opinion on, where we're at as a society and what's all going on in the streets of Minneapolis and so many other other cities, not just around America now, around the world. I saw some overseas demonstrations that were stunning. I think yeah. we're, we're finally at the tipping point where we're going to get something done. There, there, there's a lot of different angles to look at it. Um, what, what makes me proud right now is to see that uh, there's, there's blacks, there's whites, there's Hispanic, there's Korean. You have all these cultures coming together, right. um, you know, and really standing up and saying enough is enough, you know. And um, before I kind of finish that thought, I mean, listen, there, there's a lot of law enforcement that are really, really good people right? that are doing the right thing. And, and I can tell you, I've been in those situations where – there are scary times, man, and you feel like the only person or people you can call is law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, and when they show up, it's a relief. You feel like I'm safe. I'm good. You know, we we're we're gonna, we're gonna be okay. You know what I mean? So there's 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 good times when those flashing lights are coming. You know what I mean? You feel you feel confident. Um, you know, so there's a lot of law enforcement men and women that serve the country that do great things and. You know, they're they're on the total opposite side of, you know, some of the other knuckleheads that we've seen, you know, make some bad decisions, um, you know, and, and unfortunately may have pushed us into where we are today. 
so I love the fact that people are out protesting, you know, I mean, I hate to see people looting and right. tearing down stores and burning up businesses and things like that. Cause it, uh, I don't know that it serves a purpose. I mean, we want our voices to be heard. And I say, we meaning the country and the people that, you know, not just black, you know, but white and, and Korean, Hispanic, whatever, whatever your race is, let's, let's speak out together. And, um, you know, try to find a, a solution. Um, and it sucks that it had to get to this point, you know, to where people are out, you know, marching the streets again, you know, but yeah. I, I love the fact that people are doing it together and there's some movement behind it. You just hope that, you know, the voices are heard and, um, you know, so- something happens, you know, but it's, 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 it's a tough call, man, you know, cause what, you know, what's what's going to happen you know what right. what's going to change how does it change you know in those moments unfortunately you can't change a, a person's uh, reaction to certain things you know and um i mean listen i've seen a lot of videos okay and so i just want to be honest i mean i want to be fair and balanced right yeah um i've seen some videos you know where if i was a police officer i mean i saw a video not too long ago this is i don't know maybe a year ago you know i seen the kid running now and he pulls a gun out right <laughs> like what do you do right you know what i mean in, in that moment and so that, that's a scary situation you know and i just i just hope that the young people out there or, or whatever age you are man like just make the right decision you know what i mean yeah. um and try not to put yourself in those positions to to have to make a choice or make you know, someone of law enforcement make a choice. It's scary times. I mean, we're in Arizona and it's right to carry. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you, you'll be at in and out burger, you know, and, and a guy's got a, a pistol on his hip, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of weird. And that's, and, and that's, that's happened in a lot of states across the country, but, um, you know, it's just scary times we're in, know. you know, and for me as a dad with a 17 year old daughter and twin boys that, you know, are of, are of color, you know, it's important for me to educate them on that, um, on, you know, making the right decisions. Uh, but that goes for every parent, you know, even the parents who are white and have white kids and, you know, the, 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 the white parents who adopt African-American kids, you know, it's the message needs to be right to the kids, but the message definitely, there's definitely a time right now for the voices to be heard and assessed. I don't know. What's, what's your thoughts on everything? Well, the sad reality is we're not going to get rid of racism. You're just not going to get some people to think the way that they need to think. But uh, I think the the culture of policing has done an incredible job of protecting the rights of those police officers accused and not protected the rights of the police officers that turn in someone who's done something wrong. That's really the problem here is... You go into policing, you see it as a career, you know, you do your 20, 25 years, you get your pension, you retire, you you know, it's a good life at that point. So there's a lot at stake for you to just go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he, he punched that, that guy a number of times well after we had him, you know, in handcuffs. I know he kneeled on him too long, but I got too much to lose. We've set right, up a, yeah. we set up a police culture in which... You're not supposed to do the right thing as police. Uh, You're expected to, but if you do, the consequences for you are probably more severe than the guy or gal you're accusing of doing something wrong. Right. And and really, it's the culture of policing. 
that has been magnified on people of color more so, but we're seeing it now. You mentioned videos. We're seeing it now where there's too much us against them in the mentality. Right. Yeah. No longer protect and serve. It's um, let's go catch them. They're doing something right. wrong. We got to catch them. You know, they, right. they didn't signal long enough. Let's pull them over to see what's going on in that car because something is going on. Right. That's got to yeah. stop. That's just got – I mean, come on, man. Let's let's get back to serving the citizens instead of trying to make a buck off of us, which is a lot of policing now. Right. Thomas, it's been I, great, man. It's been awesome. Yeah. Hey, listen, congrats on all the on all the success you've had and what you've built. It's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm honored to, you know, have you reach out to me, man, just to check in and see how things are. And you got a lot of positives going on for sure. And so – Yep. Uh, hopefully I can make it back for a game this year. And, Absolutely. And uh, hopefully they're going to allow people in the stadiums. So Hopefully. Well, if there's one thing we're learning from people in the streets is that maybe if a bunch of cases don't show up, maybe we're okay to have fans in the stands. So Right. That's a fact. Okay, man. Well, if you're ever in town, give me a shot. You got my number. Let's, let's hook up and have a beer or, or something healthy to eat. Sounds good, <laughs> brother. I, pr- I appreciate it. Let's do it. Okay. Take care, buddy. Bye, man. Thomas has so many ideas, and his endless energy makes sure that he follows through on those ideas. That was a great call. Speaking of which, men 45 and older, make sure you call your doctor and get your PSA scored. It's a simple blood test that can aid in the early detection of prostate cancer, and early detection saves lives, period. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.